Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Hey guys, I'm Shelby, host of Addicted to Crime podcast. Join us for deep, chilling dives into the evil nature of criminals, and let's take a closer look at their early life and background to see how they got to the day of the crime. This podcast was created in hopes you pay closer attention to your surroundings and hopefully stay safe. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts or else on the website www.addictedtocrime.org. Happy listening, thanks for your time, and stay safe. Hey, Twisted listeners, I'm Cindy. And I'm Diva. And this is Twisted Listeners, a podcast about murder and lists. We're brought to you the by the by. We're brought to you the by the Pod Moth Podcasting <laughs> Network. Pod by Moth. the by. Yeah. Pod Moth. Yeah. Awesome podcasting network. Really supportive podcasts. Everybody's super cool. Check out the other shows. Woo. Okay. I don't know. I'm feeling weird. I think I have to sniffle. And so I'm there it is. <clears throat> Sniffling, you're full of popcorn. I'm full of popcorn. I was just eating popcorn. This actually took longer to start recording because I had to finish chewing and picking popcorn mm-hmm. out of my teeth, which was great. So that's a visual yes. for everyone. And I had to tell Cindy about all the new places I just put on my Patreon special murder map. Of Tons. Murder locations. It's been my activity for the past hour. That and watching RuPaul's Drag Race is my two Ooh. favorite things right now. So I was really excited to hear that you added the Israel Keys um, murder uh, location for Samantha Koenig because that's yeah. terrible, but very like I- iconic in a way. It is, you know? but you cannot see the shed where he killed her because the the Google street view is from the year prior to when he killed her. So I think I'm not sure if he remodeled the house or if he moved in right after it was remodeled. Doesn't oh. he seem like a kind of, kind of guy who would remodel his house? Well, yeah. And he had a construction business. So, yeah. So I think he might've remodeled his house. I mean, it would make sense that he would like have a shed for like his tools for his business mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, but I think he was in the process of remodeling when that shot was taken. Yeah. I believe it. Um, sounds about right. Fuck that guy, but also yes. he just interests me. Like I want to like if I had like if I won the lottery, I would probably dedicate like some time to yeah. like like trying to like crack more cases involved with Israel. Yeah. So Definitely like on that list of like crystal ball of like who yes. if you, if you could find out all the answers about one case, what would it be? Like yeah, that would Israel be Israel keys. One of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's one of the top um, top of my list. Cause it also because of the it's very likely we'll never learn anything more. So that yeah. alone makes yeah. me want to. So. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I would probably pick Black Dahlia too for me. I would just really want to know how that played out exactly. The doctor but, did it. I mean. Yeah, I mean, that's true. We do have a pretty solid uh, story. So I feel like it. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, okay. Okay. Back to what we're talking about today, which yes, is yes. Killer Kids. This, killer Kids. Kids part two. Sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah i got a bunch of horrible shit today so i'm sorry everyone yeah you have the uk version of the one that you did last time that made me hate everything so Mm, appreciate yeah yeah. uh bad i at least was able to do like jasmine richardson which is one of my favorite cases and i was able to do some other ones uh like the ones that i have today are both really interesting to me so i'm excited to be doing them but that being said i think you start right yeah yep and i'm gonna do this case 
first to get it right out of the way. This is the murder <laughs> of little James Bulger by Robert Thompson and, and John Venables. This is the one I was talking about. So yeah. Yeah, this is the one Cindy's uh, not looking forward to. Yep. It's horrible. It's it's one of those things that ever since I I don't know, a billion years ago when I first like Wikipedia this was like, oh, I'll think about this forever. Like it's deeply horrifying. It sticks right in your brain. It's very sticky. Um, this happened in 1993 in Merseyside, which is a part of Liverpool, kind of outside of it. Uh, John Venables and Robert Thompson were both 10. There's not as much background with them as there are is with some other like child killers um, on the list here, but they were both really unsupervised. Um, not a lot of parental supervision. They were described as like feral kids by some, which is, you know, not a, yeah, not a great way of saying it, but no, we don't yeah. want to describe them as animals, but basically it means they were not supervised. Right. Right. And right. They were right. just doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they skipped tons and tons of school. Um, they both did have like rough home life backgrounds. Um, but I would say maybe not as horrible as well as some of the people on this list. They were just generally not cared about as much. Right. Right. They were just kind of ignored. Yeah. They had both done minor thefts. And like I said, were super truant, never in school. Um, John seems to have been more kind of mentally disturbed by all accounts. He did a lot of violent self-harm and attacking other kids, kind of more outbursts. Okay. Robert, Robert seems to be the one of the two who's a little bit more emotionally intelligent. And he is the ringleader by all accounts. It's Robert. Okay. Got it. Okay. So one's yeah. like the the brain and one's kind of the muscle in a way. Kind of, yeah. I mean, they're both just sort of like messed up in different ways. I right, guess. right, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, no, 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 no one's muscle. They're ten, but you know. Right. <laughs> but I guess like just like the blind rage. Like, sure, I'll punch that right. person. The rage. Yeah. Right. Sure. Um, so here we are. I'm so sorry about what I'm about to say. It's really bad. So they lured two-year-old James Bulger away from a shopping mall called the Strand, um, where he in Bootle which is the name of the, the city there where he was with his mom. And she left him for just like a second, you know, every mom's nightmare. Yeah. And, and something that honestly we all do, even yeah. though we're like, we know better because it's not going to happen to me if it's 30 seconds, but exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. She just was doing something and he, boom, he's gone. Yep. So yeah. So the two boys lure James away and a security camera captures a photo of them leading him away with John holding his hand. And that photo from the surveillance camera is fucking haunting because you're literally watching them lead him away. So yeah, it's awful. I'm glad you didn't use it on the Instagram. No, no. That would have been a little too much. You can see it uh, if you yeah. want. Yeah. I did the iconic little, you know, what mug shots of the two boys of the two tiny little children. Yeah. Which is insane, insane. itself. Yeah. yeah. So his mom, James' mom, James's mom, Denise, uh, raises alarm bells real quickly. Uh, and she obviously panics. A search ensues. She's flipping out. Um, his parents do a press conference pretty quickly uh, where they show the surveillance footage still and said, like, you know, who are these boys, essentially? Uh, and what's really heartbreaking is they all the detectives and the parents described that they had like a lot of hope at the time because they thought, right. oh, these are young boys. So they probably were just doing something innocent and like got lost or like. You know, maybe they're all together, like looking to be found or they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's awesome. It's not like an adult pedophile. So we're fine. Right. 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 Wrong. 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 Um, So Robert and John John here um, took James Bulger on a horrifying two and a half mile walk, which is it's quite a ways. I just watched for some reason. I didn't watch it like minute for minute, but. 
there is a person on YouTube who actually recreated the exact walk oh, fuck. that they did from the strand to where we're going here uh, for two and a half miles. And it is a ridiculous walk. It's convoluted. Yeah. They definitely had, did not have a plan. They did not know how, like, know where they were going, but right. just like walking, walking, walking. Mm-hmm. They first took uh, James to a canal where they d- picked him up and dropped him on his head, causing him Aww. to have a head wound and bleeding. Poor baby. Some witnesses will report that they saw, well, actually 12 total witnesses um, from Mm -hmm. that walk will report that they saw older boys with a younger boy and kind of noted it. But they all said that they thought it was just like a boy with his brothers, for example. There wasn't, it didn't look weird at the time, which makes sense. Like, you know, some witnesses did describe that they saw James crying, but obviously they didn't see anything that insane yet. You know, no blood on his body or head at that point. Right. Their two and a half mile walk ends at some abandoned, not, well, I guess not at this time, later abandoned. Their walk ends at some railway tracks um, where John and Robert then proceed to basically torture this two-year-old. Which is fucking insane. They splash blue paint Uh, on his face, which mm -hmm. is always a haunting detail. And it's discussed by a lot of criminologists um, who've talked about this case as being like a way that they dehumanized him. Right. Or like maybe yeah. not a person right. psychologically, they then threw rocks and bricks at him. Mm-hmm. They also kicked or stomped him um, or hit him with their, you know, kicking. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a total of 42 wounds. That's in uh, on that tiny, tiny yeah. little body. Yeah. And James Boulder is like, looks like a cherub baby like he's like angelic cute like very not not that this would be sad if he wasn't cute but this is like he's like cartoonishly cute too right right there's also potentially some kind of sexual abuse or genital Uh, mutilation uh, but that's often kind of disputed to some extent um but they do kill him finally with an iron bar to the head jesus christ bludgeoning uh they leave his body (sighs) on the train tracks and it is later severed by the train that is just like i mean like that to me to like know to do that to plan to do that it's just like a next level kind of thing yeah it's just fucking crazy and like it's not like when you hear about these things you don't we never talk about the fact that the child was definitely crying and screaming oh yeah yeah and calling like like calling for his mother like which i can't yeah yeah, and this was so prolonged too. Like they had ample, they had ample time to be like, let's just walk away, for instance, or just right. like not, not kill him. Yeah, it we've was, hurt him enough. Let's leave him alone. Right. Yeah, right. it's just so prolonged and brutal and adult sounding. It sounds like an adult torture murder. You know, we're back it when we really did torture yeah. murders, right? Yeah. Um, it's just insane to imagine these little kids doing it. Um, right. So. Ugh. Ugh. Okay, check it out. Okay, so James's body is found a couple of days later, like very shortly after, on the train tracks. Um, John John Venables's mom calls and reports that that day he had come home dirty and with paint on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also with this this is the last little thing they need to put together with a bunch of those witness accounts of people that came forward and figure out to go and arrest. John um, basically and start questioning him first. And then they later arrest Robert. They both, I'm sorry. Like even, even though we just described something so adult sounding and brutal, the recording trips me the fuck out of their interviews with these two boys. Cause they sound so little. I mean, they are, 
but they sound right. like they're three, you know, like they're just like the tiniest little voices. Right. They're J- John Venables is crying and it's very weird. Like I heard the investigator kind of break this down in one documentary and mm-hmm. Robert Robert's demeanor is quite different in right. the interviews. John mm-hmm. is crying, but like you can tell he's genuinely panicked. Right. He's scared and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Having and something of an appropriate response. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not being totally honest, but he can tell the emotions real. Right. Whereas Robert is calm and like he switches on the crying when the questioning gets intense. Yeah. Or when they start to get to a serious subject, he switches it on. And the de- detective who was interviewing him said that there were no tears coming out. And that if he was offered like a snack or a soda, it would just drop. And he would be fine. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he's just, just, what is that? Like parroting? He's like parroting like yeah. what a person would do. Like, yeah. So he's know. a little bit more manipulative. Uh, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, and what's really disturbing in the interviews too, when they're describing James and, and whatnot, they, they call him the baby, you know? Mm. So they're like, oh, the baby. What? You mean the baby? And I'm like, oh, I just hate it. I mean, he's a baby, but like, there's just something really creepy about it. Like the fact that they're referring to him as a baby. And it's like, so you want us to start referring to it as like the baby that you killed. Like you killed. Yeah. A baby. Like yeah. that's a really yeah. weird way to put it. Yeah. And at one point, Robert's trying to like bargain with them or make them understand that he didn't do it. He says, mm-hmm. quote, why would I kill a picture this in a very extremely unintelligible Liverpool accent, but quote, <laughs> why, w- why would I kill a baby when I got a baby of my own? And I think he's referring to his like little sibling at home. Right. And it's like, so you're saying because you didn't kill your own sibling, you wouldn't kill like a stranger baby. Yeah. It's just a really weird way to phrase it. Like, why wouldn't I kill this other baby first? It's like, what? It's like, yeah, that's <laughs> a really strange line of defense there, dude. That yes. doesn't really work. That doesn't really Very, shake out in your favor, dude. Very weird. Yeah. Um, and eventually John Venables confesses. He, he confesses first, but he distances himself from the murder. And he says, mm-hmm. I didn't really throw a brick. It was all Robert. I was just there. I couldn't. I was just watching kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So the two boys are charged with murder. Um, this case was huge news in the UK at the time. The public is in like a frenzy of outrage. The footage is wild of the trial. And it's like two little boys being led, led in and out of this courthouse. And you'd think it was Ted Bundy. Like people are right. screaming at them. Which um, is like, get your shit together, guys. They are children. Like weird. Yeah. Obviously there's some bad shit going on, but they're 10. Yeah. Like chill they're out. Ten. They're yeah. 10. They were tiny. They're tiny, evil. Tiny, tiny. <laughs> they're evil, but they're tiny 10. and evil. Yeah. They yeah. are tiny and evil. So uh, at the trial, 11 of the 12 witnesses testify that they saw him walking with James that day. The evidence also includes the, this is horrific detail. I didn't know until recently. The, Evidence includes the imprint of Robert's shoelaces that were pre- was pressed into James's face, oh, implying so a high up. velocity kick. Right? Oh, his shoelace or his shoes? The front of his shoelaces. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, into his cheek. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck so that. some some heavy evidence there. Um, they are obviously found guilty um, because we're in the UK, not the United States. They get seven years, eight months. And okay. they are held at a juvenile institution known as the Red Bank that mm-hmm. I will mention later uh, okay. today. And they are detained at Her Majesty's pleasure, which means like we're not going to give you a release date, even though it is a shorter sentence. So I don't know how that works exactly. But yeah, they do that with kids a lot where they're like Her Majesty's pleasure, which absolutely is not the same thing as like a life sentence. They, no, they always no. end up getting out. Yeah. It's just sometimes it's a little, a little longer. Sometimes yeah. it's actually shorter. It really just kind of depends. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Yeah. 
Um, and obviously this juvenile detention center is much nicer than uh, ours in America. And they have kind of decent amenities. They also get decent psychological treatment. Um, it comes out later. There's also, you can see interviews on like YouTube with the people who worked with them at that center over mm-hmm. years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And apparently it did take actual years before they were able to come to terms with what they did. Like they did with not process it. Yes. Wow. They did not process it for a long time. Uh, and according to, I saw one Daily Mail article. So who knows how reliable this, this is. But Daily one Mail. <laughs> yeah. But it was this interview with this one guy who basically was in that, like in the Red Bank in this place with them right after uh-huh. um, trial or whatever. And said yeah. that John Venables was bragging about oh, killing. Oh, that's disgusting. Things. Yeah. So. But that's also you know. something the Daily Mail would like print so yeah but i mean this guy has like an authentic story about being there and like why yeah there no no no. Stuff, i'm not so saying that it's wrong it's possible just, yeah. but yeah, no, it no. is it is they're it's like tmz like no yeah it's not a lie um, but it's just gross like it's possible it's yeah possible. for sure so in 2001 to denise's horror that's james's mom the two boys are released on parole with new identities and protective orders, uh, mm-hmm. very strongly protecting their anonymity. Um, they're under strict kind of parole style rules. And a lot of the UK wants to find them and kill them. Um, Which, a lot. again, they were 10. They have been deemed to have been rehabilitated by a country that actually kind of offers that to some degree. Y'all need to chill out. So, okay, one last little wild chapter here. Oh, um, I know. A little bit, yeah. So <laughs> Robert, even though Robert, I kind of framed him in talking about the interviews as being like the, the ringleader, yeah. Robert has done nothing else. We have not heard from him one peep. Yeah. Since since 2001. So that's a good long time now. Yeah. But John yeah. has continued to have major fucking problems. He yeah. got infractions for a dr- drunken street fight, for possession of cocaine, and obviously, much worse than that, in 2010, he was sentenced to two years in prison for having and distributing indecent images of children, yeah. child pornography, which I don't think that's the right term to use, but like, you know, essentially, it's yeah. along the lines of child pornography. Yes. I yeah, mean, it no. is. It is. Like, no, no, it is. That's why I, I meant oh, that's the, indecent the right term to use. No, the I meant in- that child pornography isn't the right term to use. I've heard that we're supposed to say something else. Oh, really? What? Yeah, because pornography implies some kind of like, produced uh consensual thing but i don't think it does because of the word child but anyway it's a long story i think there's some other term but i forgot the term i mean i get it like pornography making it sound but in my opinion i don't know i have a lot of like changing views on pornography and exploitation so for me like it's all bad so but anyway that is interesting to know that but anyway you know what we mean it's obviously not consensual (laughs) sexually exploitative photos of children Yes, exactly. But the word yeah. child takes out the possibility of consent to me. Yeah, to me um, too. Yeah, know, exactly. Automatically. Exactly. So yeah. Uh, anyway, but that's what he gets two years for in 2010. Uh, and he also, I want to note there that he was posing, John was, as a mom abusing her daughter on these chat rooms to try and elicit, to get sent images saying, I'll abuse my daughter. And do, like It was a very convoluted scheme like um, that he was doing. He's got so, some. I wonder if he had any sort of sexual abuse in his childhood because it all kind possible. of sounds yeah. like that could have been a thing. Definitely. Which is yeah. unfortunate, but also like, fuck that guy at this point. Like, it's that's possible. not acceptable. Yeah. yeah. In 2017, at age 27, John goes back to prison, I think, yeah, for some amount of time. Uh, yeah, oh, he gets three years and four months uh, starting in 2018. He's charged with having, you know, child pornography again. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he also had a quote unquote pedophile manual, like some really disgusting uh, PDFs, I guess, which I don't know what that is. I'm Why is he some- only getting three and a half years? Like what? Like at this point, especially it's like- for the second offense, you know, and after and again, OK, I don't know if they like seal his record or whatever, but he did murder a child. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at did. some point that has to kind of be like, well, and that and then and that. Child, child porn twice. Like, yes, and that. And and yeah, couldn't stop. You really couldn't stop either. No. Um, in February of this year, so just two months ago, James's dad went before a parole board and begged them not to free him. Good. But given that his sentence is literally about to be up, I think, yeah. or is up, he will probably get out. Um, but yeah, a lot <sighs> of people are enraged. And there's also been efforts of people trying to and successfully unmasking their new identities. And then those people have gotten punished by the law for doing doing that yeah yeah but people really want to find them and kill them yeah i mean i feel weird about that because they don't have the same like freedom of speech and freedom of information laws in the uk that we have here yeah so that's a weird one that those people can actually like go to jail for like identifying someone you know it's interesting it's really weird to me but yeah i'll stop there that is the horrific murder of james bulger and i hope we never hear from robert thompson again or john venables but i'm concerned about him yeah I feel like he's going to take it. I mean, the thing is, he keeps getting like what you could consider like like slaps on the wrist. And clearly, like, yeah, people that are into that kind of thing, like that doesn't just go away. It doesn't stop. It gets worse. And like short stints in jail are not going to do it. They're not going to do it. It's really, really sick. Yeah. Yeah. Not looking forward to the next update on that one. No. Oh, God. Okay. I'm glad that's over. I just put, I don't know if you noticed, but I had my head down. I was just like, yeah. Um, but I'm going to switch it up again and I'm going to do the story of Cindy Collier and Shirley Wolf. Okay. I don't know this one at all. I'm going to take it by surprise. All right. Well, this one takes place June 14th, 1983 in Auburn, California, which is right near Sacramento. So you know how I love to connect everything to me because everything is about me, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> this is, I was living very near here. I was about six months old at the time, living in Davis, which is right next to Sacramento. Uh, So I know this area well. And then obviously, you know, my name is Cindy. So, hey. Mm -hmm. All right. There's all my dorky stuff. I just love when things like that happen. So anyway, here we go. Cindy Cindy corner with Cindy. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. All right. Uh, Cindy Collier was 15 at the time in 1983. She'd grown up in Auburn. She had a really hard life. Her father left when she was less than a year old. Her mother had four kids with four different men. And when she was very young, her stepbrother, who, because I guess her mom, like, always had, like, it wasn't a half-brother. It was a stepbrother because, like, of one of the many men her mother was with. Yeah, yeah. Sexually assaulted her. Ugh, God. Yeah. And then one of her mom's boyfriends at some point did as well. This started when she was about seven. So, yeah. God. Yeah. Uh, this made her hard, you know, angry, a quote, like, bad kid, you know. Sure, so yeah. Was, you know, she was from, and Auburn in at that time was, like, not a good area. Like, like Sacramento still, like, got, like, a, an edge to oh, it. Oh, sure, yeah, rough around the edges, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, but at the time, at this time in the 80s, it was, like, it was weird because it was, like, farmland and, like, a white suburb, but it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of money, and it was just one of those there was drugs. It was just a weird area. Yeah. Um, but in any case, so, you know, as she grows older at 15, she's five, nine and like pretty big, like a, like a solid girl. Oof. 
Yeah. yeah. And like scary to the other t- girls that she went to school with. She didn't have a lot of friends. The ones that she did have were kind of like her. Um, you know, she said she hated everyone because she was sure they all had better lives than she did. And she just, yeah, she just hated people for like having a better life, which makes me really sad to think about the fact that like she was so bitter and angry that she had such a terrible life that like, I mean, I find that kind of relatable. Though. <laughs> is that wrong? Like, no, I mean, I, that's the weird thing is like, I understand yeah. how she feels and I just wish that she had known that she wasn't alone yeah. in feeling that way. Because yeah. I feel she just like, needed to find other people that hated rich people <laughs> well know. she did she did but okay. like not in a good way and in yeah. fact that's kind of what the story is about okay um but i think she just like further isolated herself from people rather than like realizing like she wasn't the only one that felt that right way. yeah so i know i mentioned her at 15 but i did want to say also that when she was 12 uh or by the time she was 12 she'd already gone to juvie for burglary theft assault and drugs all separately So she was in and out of like juvenile, you know, juvenile detention centers. She was in and out of like group homes. So she wasn't always living with her mom. Uh, Neighbors said that they remember her like beating up other girls for like no reason, basically just to like, you know, kind of assert herself. Yeah. Yeah. So shitty life, shitty outlook, everything sucked. Enter Shirley Wolf. Her life was possibly, possibly worse. Born in Brooklyn. She moved to Sacramento when she was around seven or eight, somewhere around there. From one year old, Shirley was sexually abused by her father from the time she was a year old. That's my brain didn't even take that in. I was like, no, like my brain just didn't want to hear that. So like one year olds don't even always have like a head full of hair. That's like they have all their teeth. Like that's an infant. It's insane to me. Um, Terrible. Uh, she was also abused by his father, who's her grandfather, and her uncle. Oh my so there's Jesus something Christ. there's something in that family, you know, something <sighs> gross. So but in both of their families trash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're just garbage. Um, before she was even nine years old, she'd run away many times, but she's nine or younger. It's not like she's gonna be able to stay away for long, you know. Right, yeah. So she always ended up back home. Her father uh, became disabled when she was around nine years old, and he used this as an excuse to be home alone with Shirley. Uh, Gosh. Yeah. At one point, right after they moved to the – they weren't in Sacramento. I forget where they were, but, like, nearby Auburn. It's another, like, small town out there. But he had sent uh, her mother to the store with her brothers so that he would be alone with her. And trigger warning – when she was nine years old, he raped her. That's the God. first time he like took it to that level. Jesus. She later said that she was afraid to lose her virginity, her honor, and her pride because she felt like she lost all three in that moment. So sad. You, are you ready to get like ragey with me? Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. She didn't tell the family about this for years of fear, for out of fear for breaking up the family. She finally did tell her mother and her mother was like, I kind of thought so. Which like, <laughs> first of all, fuck you. But then, here's the fucked up part. James Wolfe, her father, was given 100 days in jail for child molestation. That's it. I'm sorry. The unit should never be days. The unit of time should never be in days. For raping your nine-year-old daughter? Yeah, I think we that can get over like, a year. I think we yeah, can get past that hurdle. Way past. You, I'm not Oof. done, though. When Oof. he was released, his wife let him come back home. But because... <sighs> Because there was a restraining order, or like he was ordered by the court to stay away from Shirley, the family put her in foster care. What the 
so that he could go home to the rest of the family. They kicked her out and put her in foster care. Kick the child molester out? The child rapist. What the fuck? Yes. I want to punch that mom in the the all of them head. Like, what is that? All of them. So my God, I feel so bad. (laughs) She gets raped, abused her whole life, and then thrown into the foster care. And then punished for saying so, basically. Yeah. So she actually was like, I've forgiven my dad. I just want to go home. Please let me go home. She ran away and to go from the homes to try to go home to her family over and over and over. Uh, She said she forgave her father. She said, you know, she cried. She couldn't have like a normal relationship with her own sexuality, but she was so desperate to go home that she was willing to forgive him or do anything. That's the saddest shit. It's so fucked. Like I can't. Yeah. So these two girls, you know, 14 and 15 at the time meet on June 14th, 1983. I've brought you up on the history. And that's the same day that this crime takes place. Cindy goes to visit a friend at a group home where she meets Shirley because Shirley, like I said, is in a fucking group home. Yeah. They immediately become like besties just in this day. And it's like they've known each other their whole lives. And they just like feed into each other. And it's just like this instant connection. Yeah. So the two of them run away from the home. I mean, Cindy's allowed to leave, but Shirley obviously is like running away. And they're like, fuck this. Let's run away together. Let's fucking go somewhere else. Let's go be, you know, free. They decide, you know, we can't do that without a car. And uh, they decide, you know, we don't have one. So let's steal one from an old person. So Okay. That that was their train of thought was specifically from an old person? From an old person because they're an easy target. So they start walking around Auburn. They go to the Auburn Green Apartment Complex, which is actually where Cindy lives. It's mostly old people there, like older couples or old people living alone. So they start scouting around. They knock on five or six doors. It's later found out that one one woman let them in for water and said the girls freaked her out so much that when uh, they left, she sanitized their drinking glasses, like bleached them. Yeah. Apparently, they were acting super weird and then got scared when her husband came into the uh, to the room. So they, like, ran out of the house. And it's probably because of what they were planning to do. They then knocked on the door of 85-year-old Anna Brackett, who lived alone. Her son lived nearby and, in fact, was coming to visit that same afternoon. And that's something mm. the girls obviously were not aware. Yeah. You know. They talked for about an hour. And then out of nowhere, they attacked Anna. They stabbed her 28 times with a knife out of her own kitchen, beat her, and strangled her. And they later recounted that the entire time she was pleading for them to stop and begging for her life. And again, she's 85 years old. So fucked. I mean, obviously, like, we're talking about a lot of kids getting murdered, but I think it's incredibly fucked up to live a long life and be go out in a horrible way it just yes. makes me ma- it just makes me mad it's yeah. like no agree deserve to go out like surrounded by loved ones and on pillows and like comfortable yeah. and shit like you with don't your, deserve to go out like that yeah with your son coming to visit you in the middle of the day or you peacefully know, in your sleep too that also works yeah, yeah that'd be great too yeah so they murdered her they took the keys to her car they went to start her car and realized oh it's standard transmission we can't drive it so they just left Oh my god. So they brutally murdered this woman. Not that it's better if they got the car, but it just makes it extra stupid. I actually wrote that, but I was like, it's not like the car would make it worth it, but it's just like truly senseless. Yeah, yeah. That's just really evil and dumb. 
They then decided to hitchhike to Roseville, which is another nearby town, all kind of in Sacramento, like the greater Sacramento area. On the way there, Shirley wrote in her journal, which I guess she took with her everywhere, quote, today, Cindy and I ran away and killed an old lady. It was lots of fun. Oof. Yeah, not good. Meanwhile, Anna's son comes to the house and finds Anna dead on the ground. He had actually noticed the girls while he was driving in, like walking away, but he didn't really think much of it. But when police came, neighbors also started describing these girls, saying they were gross, they were scary, they were, like, dirty, they looked, like, kind of, again, like, feral in a way. Police also already obviously knew Cindy. They knew she lived in the complex. She obviously had run-ins with the police. Yeah. So after they did whatever they did in Roseville for the day, they came back to Auburn and went to Cindy's house and went to sleep. While they were sleeping, the police came knocking and interviewed the girls. Cindy was tight-lipped. Like, she was just like, fuck y'all. I'm not saying a word. Shirley, on the other hand, spilled the beans, like, right away. She basically was like, we did it. We killed her. It was us. It was us. Yeah. And she wasn't remorseful. She just wasn't afraid to fucking tell on herself. Yeah, that that happened. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, we did it. It was lots of fun. Uh, (laughs) And when confronted, Cindy laughed and said neither girl had any bad feelings about it and both wanted to do it again. So, very fucking scary. Both were convicted of first-degree murder. Cindy was given, I think, 12 years, which was the maximum at the time of the crime. So she was able to be released at age 27. While in prison, Cindy Collier got her shit together, finished school, studied law. She was released in 1992, so after about nine years. I will mention now that this was 1983 in California, and that will come into play with my next story. Okay. So she got out at like age 24 or so. She got married. She has four kids and she still lives in California, living a quiet life. Um, nice. Very unassuming. Yeah. So I feel like it's very good that she, uh, you know, had this chance to get her shit together because she took it. Shirley Wolf, on the other hand, had time added to her sentence for attempting to stab a prison guard. Oof. Okay. So she wasn't going to stop. No. But then she yeah. did, apparently. So okay. She had a little outburst, freaked out. And she was actually, after that, she was real level chilled out she was released in 1995 she moved to the midwest and she actually says like she just she won't talk to anybody really but she kind of released a statement saying she lives a quiet life in the midwest and she spends all of her time helping victims of abuse overcome their issues so maybe kind of like doing penance in a way yeah yeah and also trying to make it so kids who are abused like don't turn into what happened to her you know and go off the rails yeah yeah Exactly. So really sad story, but it's really great that at the time, California did not have the option for trying children as adults, because instead of locking these two away forever, they were actually put into juvenile programs that allowed them the help that they needed and allowed them to get their lives back on track, which I think is really important, especially with children, not to look at these cases from a place of vengeance and look at them more Mm -hmm. as a place from a place of rehabilitation. And I think that's something I want to drive home. And again, I'm going to talk more about it in my next story. And it seems like even in America where they're crappier than say in like European countries, the juvenile detention or whatever the fuck like is more capable of rehabilitation. I don't want to say entirely, but a bit more than prison, which is just not trying at all. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Agreed. So yeah, but California, 1983, they still had, you know, they didn't just try every child as an adult all the time, which was good. Yeah, great idea. Yeah. yeah. Or none of the time would be cool. Yeah, um, that'd be great. <laughs> so I'm going to 
do the epic, hopefully not a thousand years long saga of Mary Bell. You know Woo! it's coming. Yeah. Woo! So it just has to be paired with uh, you know, James Bulger. Yes. Um, so this happened in 1968 in Newcastle, specifically Newcastle upon Tyne. Gotta love those British town names. Very, um, very posh. Very, very you know. it, this is not a posh part of no. it. <laughs> but you would never know it by the name. You'd never know, but it's not posh. <laughs> Mary was born in 1957. So at this time she was 10, uh, about turning 11. Um, she, Mary had a insanely rough childhood as, as far as uh, all these kids go this, this week. She's up there for the worst, right. honestly, up there, up there, even what, compared to what we just heard. Um, her mom, Betty, was a sex worker and was gone a lot. Um, her potential dad, Billy, is a violent criminal who's also almost entirely absent. Um, Mary was subject to horrific sexual abuse at home uh, with her mom basically trafficking her to her clients. Jesus. At home. Yeah. Her mom also had tried to kill Mary several times, uh, dropping her from a window, giving her sleeping pills and other family members confirm like, oh, yeah, she was constantly trying to kill her. <laughs> That's so um, insane. Like and nothing yeah. was done because no. of where they lived and the class thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's speculated that Mary actually had gotten some degree of brain damage from all the murder attempts, you know, the dropping on the head, maybe. Yeah. I'm going to say that's completely possible. Constantly. Yeah. Trying to make your kid a serial killer much like, okay. Yeah. Fucking asshole. She also tried to sell Mary, her mom. Uh, She tried to give her away. She was just nonstop. Like, I don't want you. I don't want you. I don't want you. Like nonstop. Fucking terrible. Yeah. Fuck that lady. Very much. Yeah. Fuck you, Betty. Um, Classmates reported that Mary had a quick temper. She would easily snap and attack other children. One teacher uh, was reported to them that she put out a cigarette on another kid's cheek. Whoa. Like, how old was she? Where did the cigarette come from? What is happening? Yeah. Yeah. This is fucking crazy. Intense. And this is a hard knocks, like, part of the UK, northern UK. And also, like, the kids, this will come up in, in the story, but like the kids' big activity at this time is just playing in abandoned structures. Like it's very dystopian. It's very like yeah. hard yeah. knocks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, classmates also reported Mary's intense stare and she would just like try to intimidate kids by staring at them. Um, yeah. Sounds, Mary- it kind of sounds like the girls from the last one, especially like Cindy Collier. Like they sound very similar, like, like trying to take it out on kids that are weaker and trying to like. For sure. Yeah. Very similar. Mary had like a really dominant personality, like I said, trying to intimidate people. And her one real friend was Norma Bell. Again, oddly, no relation, but just (laughs) her best friend here. And Norma was a follower that was really submissive to Mary, even though she was 13. um, Norma had some learning disabilities that Mm. people think may have made her more susceptible to being controlled by this really dominant person. Totally. um, Who probably got that, of course, and took advantage of her. Yeah. Several kids and their parents also reported Mary tried to murder their kids. Like just she Mary's wild. Yeah. Um, she didn't give a fuck. No. Uh in one incident, uh Norma held a girl down while Mary poured sand in her mouth down her throat. That's you that could do it. That yeah. could fucking do it. Almost That's got terrible. Her. And she also pushed another boy who severely injured his head. So that was a whole incident. Jesus. Okay. That's just the background. Boop, boop, boop. Getting to our first murder here, um, Mary finds four-year-old Martin Brown playing alone. She uh, leads him upstairs to the uh, an abandoned the upstairs of an abandoned house because that's what where they're all hanging out, right? And strangles him to death, which is fucking wild. Yeah, because also like I'm just gonna tell you, four-year-olds 
fucking strong. Mm-hmm. Like, and that yeah. had to be a struggle. And that a long time. Be, we we yes. know from previous cases that strangling takes a while. So, yeah. so that is yeah. fucking like vicious. Correct. Violent. And at first, when Martin Brown's body is found, people couldn't tell that he was murdered because there was just no marks at all. Well, their hands um, are so and, small. Yeah. And they there were some pills that were scattered nearby. So people thought maybe he found some random pills that killed him, too. So they were, like, mm-hmm. confused about that. Um, fast forward to May 26th, uh, which is Mary's birthday. She's a Gemini. <laughs> one day after Ollie. One day mm-hmm. after my kid. Fuck. Y- yep. Yeah, uh, Gemini here. Gemini. and mary and norma spend her birthday by breaking into the woodland crescent nursery which i believe is like for babies if i'm not mistaken um they make a huge mess and vandalize it and leave several uh notes laden with very childish profanities including one saying we murdered martin brown all kind of misspelled yeah we murdered martin brown but in like picture like little kid crayon writing you know yeah yeah oh Um, god and the inexplicable Explicably creepy note, iconic to this case, where Mary writes, quote, I murder so that I may come back. Which, like, what the fuck does that mean? And why does a 10-year-old even know to string those words together? It's very upsetting to me. It's so creepy. Uh, So creepy. Get ready to get more creeped out. So the day of Martin's funeral, she and Norma go to his mother's house uh, and asked if they could see Martin. She says, you can't see him. He's dead. To which Mary calmly smirking said, oh, I know he's dead. I want to see him in his coffin. Holy fuck. What an asshole. The mom like passes out. She's so upset. (laughs) Like, (gasps) she's like, shit freaks out. So fair enough. Mary and Norma are committing their next murder now. They lead three-year-old Brian Howe away to another abandoned house. Well, the first one was just Mary, I think, solo. Mm -hmm. Now it's Mary and Norma. Um, They lead Brian to this house after they also found him playing alone. They, this one's extra brutal, more so than Martin Brown. They mutilate his genitals. They also stabbed him with a pair of scissors and cut his hair. That's just like so scary, serial yeah. killer, dehumanizing, weird. Yeah. Yes. Uh, an M was lightly carved into his stomach. Hmm. And then he was also strangled and suffocated with a hand over his mouth. That is insane. That is insane. Yes. Correct. Look. Yeah. Uh, a boy Ugh. comes forward and says that he witnessed Mary uh, trying to assault Brian. Specifically, she said uh, that he had a sore throat, and I'm just mis- she's I'm massaging him his sore throat. That's what I'm doing right now. Uh huh. With my right. hands on his neck. Right. But people think that was also her mo. She would like try just say something, whatever, to get her hands on a kid's neck and then just squeeze. Yeah. Yep. As soon. Yeah. Just because kids are impressionable and easy to like. Yeah. And they're like, what? Like, okay. Well, oh, yeah. Okay. I'm four or three. What the fuck? Also, at Brian's funeral, Mary reportedly loitered while the coffin was carried out of his house, and a detective reported seeing Mary. And she was already a suspect at this point because they right. had the witness reports of them together. Yeah. And the detective noticed Mary laughing and rubbing her hands at the oh. sight of Brian's coffin. Like she's waiting like, for like a good meal or something. Like, ah, ha, 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 ha. Like yeah, yeah. Rubbing her, rubbing her hands. Evil fucking. That's so crazy. Whew, yeah, and that detective was like, "God damn, this little girl's evil." Like, yeah, fuck, dude. 
So police figure out basically that obviously a child did this from like the notes that were connected, the childlike scrawling, you know, with the notes and the Mm -hmm. like lack of force also used in both the stab wounds and the carving. Like this is not an adult man, for example. Right, right. And also these witness accounts that put Mary and Norma with the boys. Um, And then when they're questioned, they admit to playing with Brian, but their timelines, you know, contradict. They're just generally very suspicious. And eventually they're both arrested. Ooh, good. Yeah. Uh, Mary initially confesses but blames Norma. Right, of course. Classic. Yep. In trial, Norma is upset and like, fuck you, I didn't do anything. Mary, you're, you know, not correct here. Like, she's like really upset, but Mary is cold, stone-faced, unremorseful. Yeah. Yeah, and people say that she came off as super smart and cunning, and everyone described her as like a little mini hyper-adult person. Mm -hmm. And I think that's extremely also, just to be psychiatrist for a second, that's very, very consistent also with kids who've experienced abuse or trauma too. They become like adultified, like too fast. Yeah, they have to grow up too fast. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think she's also just like a forced to be this tiny adult and so she's like i'm an adult and like she knows too much (laughs) yeah but it's oddly like extraordinarily emotionally stunting when you like quote grow up too fast it also keeps you from ever actually growing up exactly yeah so her diary mary's diary is also found to be super disturbing she has all these childlike sketches of dead martin and dead brian oh Um, when brought yeah, when Brian was found, she drew a little fake headline of like a tiny newspaper that says boy found dead in old house and then drew like a little sketch of the man who found Martin's body. I mean, honestly, she's a fucking serial killer. And she has yeah. every it's like if she was like 20, we'd be like, what the fuck? Obvious serial killer. Like everything that she does is like standard. Oh, yeah. And it's not like she knows that she just fits the personality type. Well, and like I said earlier, it's also like her mom and her mm-hmm. circumstances were like working to create a serial killer yeah like they were like yeah. actively trying to make the most serial killer-y child probably, they could probably the only thing her mom ever did in her life that she like tried to do and got like she really, like succeeded at so was making her daughter a serial killer yeah, yeah. good job um, mom it's true uh so she is sentenced to also her majesty's pleasure so just yep. whenever we feel like letting you out mm-hmm. and she's imprisoned at the red bank the exact same boarding school where john uh venables and robert thompson would later be kind of mm-hmm. imprisoned mm-hmm. um and it of co- is of course like i said better much better conditions than a u.s juvenile detention she has like it's right. kind of like a boarding school you can't leave essentially right. Uh, and Norma, I think rightly so, was acquitted because she's obviously the the follower here. She wasn't going to do this shit on her own, you know. Um, she was controlled by Mary. So right. fine with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1980, uh, Mary was released at age 23 after spending 12 years in the facility. Okay. Uh, and there was interestingly really no public outcry like there was later for James Bulger, maybe different era too of like press and whatnot, right. mm-hmm. press frenzy. Yeah. Um, but there was more of a general sense at this time that she was rehabilitated. Um, the one person who does raise a stink, however, is of course fairly perhaps the mother of Martin Brown, who's done a yeah. lot of press mm-hmm. um, being disturbed by her release. But obviously, yeah, Mary got a new name and a, a, much like our last case, a lifelong court order of anonymity which she has actually applied and successfully gotten extended to protect the uh, anonymous status of her daughter and granddaughter. So she's now a grandma. Yeah. Which like absolutely should be the case because at this point it's like, okay, part of me is like, you know, if she gets found out who she is, that's just kind of her cross to bear, but like her children and her grandchildren and people are so fucking sick and twisted that they would do things to those people. 
And they yeah. would feel righteous in doing things to those people. Yeah, yeah. Which is, like, insane to me. Like, I just can't understand it. Yeah, it's just, like, you know, she's a, a classic example of someone who obviously looked extremely serial killery, and she was somehow rehabilitated. So, yeah, yeah we haven't, we would, like, judging by John and Robert, we, you know, I think we would have heard if Mary Bell had done some criminal shit. Actually, I think we would have. Um, yeah. But she hasn't. I mean, she spent more before she was released, she was in prison longer than she was alive prior yeah. to that. Yeah. You know, so. so I'm sure that, and she was in prison during a very important part of her development as a human. So I believe it's yeah. completely possible that she came out of there, like, in a, in really good shape, like with yeah. a really she's good chance. She's a grandma. She's out. She's fine. Yeah. So. Good. There, there it go. is. All right, you ready for one that does not have a happy ending, but is really oh. interesting? I saved it for the last story because it affects every, well, not every other story, but pretty much every other story in one way or another uh, that we yeah. covered. So this is the know. case of Willie Boskett. Okay. It's a fucked up story about racism in our country mm-hmm. and horrible effects that it has on our nation. So here we go. Okay. All right. Willie Boskett was born in 1962 in New York. He grew up in Harlem. Harlem at that time was intense, intensely terrible, not a good place to live, not a good place to be, Um, you know, lots of- Not the gentrified New York of today. (laughs) No, the New York that uh, uh, the people in charge allowed it to be when white people didn't want to live there. So Correct. Yes. He never met his father because his father was already in prison by the time Willie was born. While Willie, while Willie's mother was pregnant with him, uh, his father committed a double murder and was given life in prison. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wow. So his father, while in prison, went on to get a degree in computer science. Oh. Yeah. He was a very smart, charismatic guy. He was just weirdly given to violent outbursts. He was released. He still never met Willie, but he did go on oh. to have a job. He had a girlfriend. But then he eventually had another violent outburst and murdered his girlfriend and then killed himself to avoid going back to prison. Jesus. Oh, my yes. God, dude. You almost had it going. Okay. I know. He tried. And this is, I'm telling you that because it's interesting, but also because it has a lot to do with Willie. So Willie was then raised by his mother and his sexually abusive grandfather, Ugh. who, once again, trigger warning, raped him to, quote, teach him about girls. Or, quote, teach you about girls. Whatever. God, horrible. So very, very disgusting. And this was all before he turned nine. His mother would have various boyfriends. They all abused her. They would beat her and, you know, abuse her. And he would try to defend her. When he was, like, eight years old, he stood up to one and was like, I'll fucking kill you if you touch her. And he's a tiny little baby at this point. So just a miserable, miserable life. Also very adultifying. Very much. Yes. Yeah. Willie, like his father, was also very smart. And he also looked up to people like Asada Shakur, which is really great, but also shows that he saw violence just as a way of life. Like, it's a way of liberation for Black people. It's a way of surviving. It's just, it was everything about his life, positive or negative, was kind of revolving around violence. I mean, Asada's great, though. No, she's fucking awesome. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah. it was from all sides. And I'm not saying that, like, what she did didn't, like, who she was or what she did or didn't do was, like, right or wrong. I I don't necessarily think that nonviolence is always the answer. But I'm just saying it's interesting that, like, 
it was everywhere in his life, you know? Yeah. You know, sexual violence, physical violence, mental violence, you know. By the time he was nine years old, his mother gave him up to a home because he was so (sighs) out of control. Oh, my God. He ran away from that home, was caught, and was punished by going to what they call the children's equivalent of Attica. I didn't even write the name down, but they just said it was like a horrible place to be. By the time he got there, he was already a violent criminal. If you can even call a nine-year-old a violent criminal. But he was whatever the equivalent of that is. close to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He was in and out of juvie and other systems. He spent nearly his entire young life incarcerated in one form or another. When he was 15, he was out for a short time. And on March 19th, 1978, he shot and killed Noel Perez on the subway in a robbery gone wrong. Eight days later, he killed Moises Perez, no relation, another no relation story, uh, in another similar robbery, also on the subway. In between those two murders, so in between these eight days, he also shot a transit murder and did two other robberies. Jesus. Okay. So he's having a spree moment here. Two murders, an attempted murder, and two other robberies. Oof. It's unclear exactly how, but he was caught and charged with both murders as well as everything else. Shockingly, he pled guilty. Just right off the bat, he was like, I'll plead guilty, whatever. Because he was a child, he received the maximum sentence in New York at the time, which was five years okay meaning he would be released when he was 20 okay people were fucking pissed yeah they were like how dare he not go to jail forever and ever and part of that as you and i have discussed is that the adultification of black children Uh is a thing that happens they're they're considered to be older and to be you know given more responsibility and therefore more anger you know, mm-hmm. from white people. Yeah. And um, more focus on the case in general too. Yes. It's not going to like slip through the cracks. People are going to really like focus on it. Exactly. Yeah. So governor, the governor at the time, the New York governor, Hugh Carey, uh, heard about this and it was a re-election year and they really, you know, back then it was like all about being tough on crime. So he enacted a new law based on Willie Boskett himself to have juveniles tried as adults for certain crimes. So this is the first law in our nation that sought to try children as adults. And it came about in New York in 1978 because of Willie Boskett. Because of a black teen child, because of, of course. A black teen yeah. child. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. Exactly. And, and for political gain. Shocker. Ugh. So New York was the first law or the first state in our country to enact a law of this nature. And every other state followed suit after that. California did not do this in, at, you know, at 19, in 1983, when Cindy and Shirley committed their murder, they were still tried as children because California had not yet adopted trying children as adults. But now every state in our nation decides that children suddenly aren't children anymore if they do something bad enough, which is not a fucking thing. And it's like, it's insane because you just, but you feel like the children being tried as adults thing, you feel like that's just an accident or something. And then you remember and you stop that's like, Oh my God, people actually had to go and stop and go out of their way to make that possible. Yes. Like, yes, and they did. That's yeah. Insane. It started with New York, Florida followed pretty close behind, and then it just made the rounds until Imagine every... advocating for that. That's your platform. Like, yeah. that... <laughs> let's what? put children in prison forever. And people are like, yeah, especially if they're not white. Woo. It's like, Woo. I mean, but this is a really distinctly American mindset. This like punish, really punish, is. punish, 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 punish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's also, I think in general for adults as well, this conception in among American, amongst American brains that 
prison is not for rehabilitation. Like they don't know that it is. I'm no, sure, like, our prisons care. don't do that. Yeah. But also like they just, we don't think that it's for that. <laughs> no, we just want to punish. It's yeah. sick. Yeah. It's sick. So obviously this doesn't, you know, help any children. Uh, the age at which children can be tried as adults varies, but it can be as young as 10 years old, which just shows how fucked up we are as a country. Um, but I, there have been children as young as, as 10 and we've covered a ton of children this this in this topic that were like 12 13 you know mm-hmm. whatever that were yeah. tried as adults which is not a fucking thing awful so anyway he's in prison he escapes from prison from like juvie or whatever yeah. and at that time they had already passed the law that you could try children as adults so they tried him as an adult for escaping and yeah. they gave him an additional four years <sighs> eventually he got out when he was about 21 years old so the four years like didn't really stick because he was only in there for like six. Yeah. But he was out for a hundred days. He made it a hundred days as an adult on the outside, and he assaulted a 72-year-old old man. He didn't kill him, but he attacked him violently. So he ended up back in prison and he just couldn't, he was like, he just kind of gave up. I think he knew. I'm here forever. So he starts attacking other inmates. He starts attacking guards. Eventually he killed another inmate. Um, But at that point, they were like, they just kept throwing shit at him. So like he could have got back out, but with the escape and the assault and then assaulting guards and then killing the inmate, they gave him 82 years to life. So this Mm -hmm. man, Willie Boskett has spent, you know, maybe a few years outside of the age of nine yeah not in a jail or a prison of some sort the vast majority of his life has been in prison yeah. yes he's now 59 years old he's been in solitary confinement since <gasps> 1989 oh my god yes. i'm sorry i'm sorry i don't care like h- hot take i don't fucking care if you're ted bundy like that's fucked like i'm sorry that is fucked. yes it should be illegal it's cruel and unusual punishment and here's the thing he spends 23 hours per day in a cell alone he gets one hour of exercise per day alone when he has visitors unlike other prisoners who are in solitary confinement he's not actually allowed in the same room so he has no physical touch from any other human beings with possibly the exception of guards like unhandcuffing it's him. Torture. Handcuffing it's him. institutionalized torture. It's and absolute it's bar- torture. It's literally barbaric. And like, I'm sorry, this is like, reminds me of like Abu Ghraib and like yes. in Guantanamo shit, yes. you know, and there's also prisoners, there's prisoners in Guantanamo who've also, who've also been, uh, you know, in, in uh, what's it called? Solitary. In cells, basically solitary with no charges yeah. <laughs> against them. Yeah. So, we fund that our tax dollars. Yay. We fund that. Yeah. And yeah. also like, it's so fucking barbaric and also uh, there's a statistic out there somewhere you can find it but like black people are statistically in solitary like disproportionately of course they are as well. of course yeah yeah so he's been in there um there i've seen like interviews or like um you know articles written and the crazy thing is that everybody who meets him is like he's super smart he's super charismatic he's extremely friendly you know he could have had a really good life but he just had all of these weird, just like his dad, mm-hmm. violent outbursts. He was horribly abused and he was failed by the system over and over and over. And there was clearly no attempt at re- re- any kind of rehabilitation no, or help was ever given him. He was the poster boy mm-hmm. for like, let's fucking 
punish yeah. children forever. Yeah. So. And I'm sure like all of the fucking like, uh, you know, reviews or what's it called press about him at the time. We use racist language too, and called him like oh, an animal. An and, animal. Like, all yeah. That shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they definitely yeah, yeah. call him a monster if nothing else, mm-hmm. but like, you know, yeah. Um, so he's eligible f- to be a part of the general population in 2046, but he'll be long what? dead by then. He has gone 14 years without any incident whatsoever. And so Why they have still in there if he's well, not like acting out at all, even they just said it's been 14 years, but he's been in solitary longer than that. So it's like, That's- they don't want to risk it, but it's like, listen, this is a violation of his human rights. Like this is absolutely yeah. unacceptable. So I don't know. I mean, he's 59 if they let him in back out. But, but you know, even when they interview him, he's like, I can't promise I won't do something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he basically but... says, like, this is hell. Like, what he said was something along the lines of, like, this is hell. Like, there's no telling what's going to happen when you are living in literal hell. Every yeah, day. well, also, that's the crazy thing about solitary is that, like, you know, you supposedly put these extra violent prisoners in there. But guess what? It's statistically, psychologically a scientific fact that that shit makes people more violent when right, they get out. Exactly. Like they're gonna, they're gonna get out and be violent. They're more likely to be because they're, yep. you know, that will make yeah. you crazy and violent. Agreed, hundred percent agreed. So yeah, I thought that was a pretty interesting one to end on because it contextualizes a lot of the other cases that we covered and kind of explains how we got to where we are now in this country and how it's different than other countries and how you know yeah. the other countries did not decide to like use some poor child as a way of like getting cur- currying political favor you know yeah. and then basically ruining the lives of the youth of our country so yeah there it is i know there have been some states that have reversed this shit or mm-hmm. like you know said that kids are not adults but like clearly there's still a lot of support for this mentality too so. well right and it also allows for a lot of classism and racism because you have like the affluenza teens that like get no oh, yeah. charges you know but then you have like poor black kids and poor like right. people color who get the book thrown at them because our society is fucked and it just allows for that and then you hear some of the stories and you think oh well i guess it's not that bad because this kid didn't go to prison forever and it's like well why don't you like look at where that kid came from they're rich they're white they're this they're that how many cases are there of like those football players from rich white colleges or high schools that rape some girl and they're fine and yeah they're just going to college living their life they're athletes oh no you know yeah we have such a yeah this got oh. like weirdly political but when children got dark prison it's like kind of a thing so oh, it's horrible no. Ooh, all right so thanks for hanging in there with us guys yeah I made it through hopefully we threw in enough that were like interesting or not yeah, i have one more You're oh my god i thought I'm i was like going through Cindy, no oh i just wanted to be over okay <laughs> i'm sorry i went to, it's my sorry. fault i went so long with no you uh, didn't James Balger it's and my Bell. fault because i just wanted to be done no i'm sorry um, wrapping it up go ahead. uh this one is a, a good one i don't say good one but it's it's a doozy um a quick one and a doozy uh this is the tale of sarah marie johnson this is our actual last one sorry cindy sorry um, i actually don't know this one at all no yeah it's it's uh i knew it from the fine program uh 2020 um oh. this happened in sun valley idaho in 2003 Diane and Alan Johnson have been married for 20 years. They have a daughter, Sarah, who's 16, an older son, Matt, who's 22, who's in college. And they're I all- I do know this fought- one. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. I do know it. Yep. By all accounts, they are a super close, happy family. Like on the, the scale of shitty childhood childhoods, this one doesn't even register because Sarah was fine. 
she like, and Jasmine <laughs> Richardson got great lives to, like both correct both yeah mm-hmm. she was a like mm-hmm. middle class middle upper class happy yeah. family nothing going wrong here yeah parents loved her but problems arise when 16 year old Sarah begins dating 19 year old Bruno Santos yeah he is selling drugs and just like an all-around bad influence and 19 so it's not that great yeah. Sarah excitedly announces to her friends at one point that they just got engaged. Oh God. And, she's and her 16. friend. Yeah. And her friends are like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sarah. That sounds like a terrible idea, Sarah. Ugh, yeah. Sarah's parents obviously seriously disapprove of this relationship as yes. they fucking sh- they should. They sound yeah. that sounds right. And this creates obviously dramatic arguments between Sarah and her parents. At one point, Diane even slapped Sarah in a fight, and Sarah responded by hitting her back. So they get into like a physical fight. Yeah, I could see that escalating like that. I get it. Yes. Things escalate, which you know, don't slap your kids, but uh, yeah. My mom slapped me one time. Oh. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, I'll never forget it. It was wild. I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, and I was also, I think I was like 16. So that's about the time. I mean, it's like I a mom it. thing to do. Just a it single totally, slap. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> and also like as a 16 year old girl, I was kind of a fucking asshole. So I get it. Mm, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So things escalate uh, even further when they catch Sarah and Bruno together. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, oh like yeah. that. Together, together. This and is a Al- murder podcast. You can say it, Diva. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to be a sneaky about it. So Alan, basically, the da- his, her dad basically says, get the fuck away from my daughter. Like, that's it. But fucking, you know, dude, get out of here. And a few days later, Diane and Alan, mm-hmm. uh, I, heard, I said that too quickly. I got a pause for dramatic effect. Pause. A few days later, after this incident, Diane and Alan were found dead in their beds, having been shot. Ooh, I thought you were going to say they fucking filed statutory rape charges against them first. Well, they could have, but they, they were yeah. shot. Yeah. yeah, all right. Um, didn't, They missed their chance. Yes. So Sarah fled to a neighbor's house, and the neighbor called police. Mm-hmm. She can be heard hysterical and crying on their 911 call. Sarah claims initially that she was in the shower when she heard the first shot and then ran out of the house. I'm not sure if she grabbed a towel or what. What the deal um, was, yeah. Investigators get in there and they find a brutal, gruesome scene. Um, Diane and Alan were shot at like close range with a uh, which is a shotgun, spoiler alert. So <gasps> oh, real God, rough. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, not cool. Yeah. You get the idea. Yes, I do. They find bullets from the gun, a leather glove, and a latex glove in the trash all this is in the trash out front of the house and the gloves the gloves have an unknown dna sample inside all in there okay so everyone's first thought is maybe bruno right because they don't fucking like this guy especially just with what just happened Mm -hmm. but for various boring reasons he's eventually cleared as a suspect so he wasn't there Mm -hmm. um when that happened wasn't possible Uh, and sarah's family starts to grow suspicious when they notice that she is like able to turn on her crying, kind of a yeah. fake cry. Mm-hmm. And she's really cold about it. She doesn't seem upset quite like when she should be, you know, mm-hmm. it's getting weird. So police interrogators put the pressure on Sarah and her story's ever changing, right? The right. more they question her, the more it flip flops around. Uh-huh. She's not in the shower anymore. When the first shot happens, she was awoken. She was asleep. And so then she just jumped in the shower. Like, <laughs> Quick. I got a shower. Yeah. I got to take a shower um, before I run out of the house. Like, Yeah. Uh, she fled after the first shot or she went to their bedroom after the first shot. Then she fled after the second. So she's just throwing all kinds of different stuff here yeah. at them. They eventually 
finally like confirm that it's Sarah when they confirm that the freaking DNA inside the gloves is Sarah's. Why are you wearing gloves? Like the, the whole, that is, yeah. Come on. Mm. Like, what yeah. are you doing? Let She's me- charged with two counts of first degree murder. She proclaims her innocence and her attorney will claim that her DNA was just everywhere because she lived there, but it's like, Oh, well, it was also in the fucking gloves. Right. <laughs> um, that's specific. They will also make a huge deal over the lack of fingerprints on the gun, but I'm going to go with it's because she used gloves. Yeah. The, the ones that her DNA were in. That's yeah. so weird. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with that. So smart for piecing that together. I'm a detective. I figured Ooh, it out. Um, right. So at trial or bo- 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 yeah, that's the, the attorney, her DA's kind of defense attorney's things. Mm-hmm. Um, the prosecution, however, has a boatload of, of evidence. In addition to those gloves, bullets with Diane's DNA on them are found in Sarah's room. Sarah's bathrobe covered in her mother's blood was stuffed in the garbage. Smart. Yeah. Uh, Bruno gets on the stand and testifies about their relationship and the whole situation mm-hmm. um, is fleshed out for the jury. They also, the jury also hears horrifying details about how the prosecution thinks they were murdered and they kind of reenact it in a really oh. brutal reenactment. I think they shoot like a melon or something. Oh my like, God. Like it's really bad. That's but, like grotesque. But, but it is effective. It shows you fucking how this yeah. looked. I mean, and it also like gets the jury to be like, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. And they basically said that she put her bathroom on backwards, kind of like a, a, a shield. Oh, her bathrobe. A bathrobe. <laughs> was like, Sorry. Her, her bathroom. Uh, her bathrobe on backwards, you know, uh-huh. with the back on. So to kind of cover her, I guess. Which, um, I, if you're going to take a shower. Okay, listen, here's another how not to get caught from murder corner <laughs> with Cindy. If you are going to kill somebody in your own home and try to stage it just just do it naked right because if you're going to take the time to take a shower just murder them naked and i don't then know that she showered off. though the shower was fake was me okay yeah the she shower could fake. have showered all well, the blood she off yeah if you if she listened to how to could have how to murder corner with cindy but yeah. um okay, but so she had her bathroom on backwards it obviously got splattered with blood right yeah. and she shot her and then she stuffed it in the trash um and she again she shot them very close up so there was a lot of splatter right Obviously, Sarah's found guilty as fuck. Right, right, right. <laughs> she, uh, sound, sound case here, not like some ambiguous ones. Um, at her sentencing, her family uh, actually requests that she be given a life sentence, including her brother, who gives a scathing statement, just Ooh. like reading her out, like, you fucking asshole. Like, he is like zero percent, zero sympathy. And he specifically says how well she was treated her whole life, how well right. their parents treated her, how she had it so fucking good. Like, it's, this is not like you're some abused child, right? Like, you had right. no reason to be like this. It's because she's a spoiled asshole. Yeah. Entitled. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, Sarah gives a statement, which I got to say, like, C minus. It's real weak. Um, <laughs> it's, she's crying, kind of. She says she loved her parents. No, and didn't. she wants to rebuild her life nope. and be a productive member of society. Mm-mm. But she does not apologize at any point because, of course, she still is still proclaiming her innocence. So Right, right, yeah, right, right. It's right. kind of hollow. I didn't um, do it, but. I'm yeah. sorry. For, uh, no. Um, she gets a life sentence without parole. Uh, this is Idaho, so they don't care that she's 16. Yeah, that shouldn't be a thing. Still shouldn't be a thing, even though she definitely did it. Um, yeah. The very least, there should be some fucking leniency, right? Where it's not a fucking life sentence. Well, but the um, problem is, I mean, you might as well lock her up for life because they're certainly not going to do anything to help her while she's in prison. So it's not like she's ever going to get better, you know? 
Right. Well, that's like, you know, getting to the whole problem with prison, period. Yes. (laughs) Yes. In any case, which is like, it's always fucked up. But as a matter of fucking principle, a 16 year old should not get life. So correct. Without the possibility Um, of parole. Especially, yeah, I don't think life, period, honestly. Um, I think you can be like life with a minimum of 15 years. I was like, okay, so it's 15 years. It's Her Majesty's pleasure, essentially. Right, 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 right. But in this country, it's not. So, yeah, I agree. No, I agree. True. Um, And also, parole sucks. Like, parole is like basically being in prison. So it's like, it's like fart too loud. You're like, yeah, it's not that great. It's terrible. Um, Yeah. So basically, that's it with Sarah Johnson here. Her appeals have been denied as recently as 2017. Um, and wow. that's it. She's still in prison. So. so did she ever get like the possibility of parole or she's appealing to get the possibility? She's appealing, I think for a new trial entirely. Um, she's tried yeah. to argue that she's tried to argue ineffective assistance of counsel. And it's, I, I read some appeals transcripts and I was like, Oh, it's so boring because she hasn't, doesn't have a great case. I feel like her best chance is to like get help, admit what she did and like go that route like that's going to be the, her best chance of getting out is actually getting better so fucking it's true good luck. yeah yeah no and uh, yeah i don't know it's idaho too yeah. <laughs> like that's a yeah. real yeah. hard tough on crime yeah state, so. I'll, some sometime i'll regale you with all the tales of like the oregon idaho shit that i saw living yeah. up there it was fucking wild yeah and uh, by tough on Jefferson. by tough on crime i mean that's not a good thing i mean that's like disgusting <laughs> no they're horrible they're terrible i'm not so. praising that no, not that's at all. what they think about themselves. Yeah, so. They're the worst. Um, there we go. Okay, so now I can say we're done because fuck, yes, I want to be. That's all thank the kids. you. Thank you for ending on like a murder of adults and murder uh, of adults at least. We sandwich <laughs> we, sand- we sandwiched the 10 with those two cases. Look, I couldn't so. have ended on James Bulger. Like that would have been fuck sadistic. No, no, that's fucked up. No, no, not good at all. Um, yeah, so she's another victim of the sentencing laws that allow children to be sentenced as adults, which should not be a thing. And also, at least she's she is ended on ended on someone who's kind of in the ass. She's just an asshole camp, like Jasmine yeah, Richardson. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do feel, feel slightly less guilty. Yeah. Yes, to- totally. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that was our top ten. Thanks, Diva, for choosing yeah. that horrific fucking mm-hmm. topic. Killer uh, kids, and yes. you pick. The next week. Okay, so this came in from a listener. It's Flesh Babies Shop. Uh, that's okay. her Instagram. She's actually a really good artist. You guys should check her out, and she seems uh, really rad. I'm also assuming her gender. I apologize. They seem really rad. I don't know. So, uh, Flesh Baby Shop suggested to us to do murders blamed on demonic possession. That's such a good topic. Thank so you, good. Flesh Baby Shop. <laughs> Thank you. Because I was like, I don't know, maybe like something like killer neighbors again. Like, I I don't know. I'm running out of good topics. And she just, they, sorry, just like swooped in with like a sweet ass topic. So thank you. We love you. Yeah. We can't wait to do this next week. I've only like picked two cases or I only picked one, but I've read two and both. I was like, holy fuck. It would have been good for Halloween too. Although that's okay. I'm kind of in a mindset right now where I want it to be Halloween. Every day is Halloween. In In my mind. Yeah. 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 Easter's lame. Summer's lame. I only like Halloween. Yeah. So here we go. We're going to bring it in early with a really good Mm -hmm. topic. So thanks again. Um, Thanks to all of our listeners. Once again, we're not in the habit of promoting ourselves on the front end. So here we go. If you'd like to join us on Patreon, thanks to all of our new patrons. You all rule. It's uh, patreon.com backslash twisted listeners. We just put up another episode and Diva added a fuck ton of uh, locations to the murder map. I did. Yeah. Ooh. Check it out. Go on a murder tour with me. I'm working on it. It's my little hobby. Yay. Um, if you would like to join us on TikTok, we just had like a huge influx of like 2,000 
followers or more. Ooh. You can do that. It's just at Twisted Listers. Our website is twistedlisterspod.com. If you would like to uh, join us on Instagram, you can do that at Twisted Listers PCAST. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can do that at twistedlisterspod at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and hanging in with us on those fucked up ass cases. And uh, yeah. until next week, stay off our this this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. bye